Oh, tuna for breakfast? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yummy. Pouch, pouch tuna. <laughs> pouch tuna? <laughs> oh, God. Romans chapter 5. We're actually going to be going through Romans. We're going to finish chapter through chapter 8 by the end of this lesson. Um, not today, but by the end of this teaching. That's the goal, at least. Uh, we're trying to get through by August. September, we're actually going to be meeting as a uh, co-ed group, um, not quite as early, but uh, hopefully we'll have the community center by then. Still working on the paperwork to get the community center over here by the hammock, which is actually pretty cool. It's got a kitchen, it's got a big meeting room, it's got a stage, you can dance, Jacob. Soccer field. Tennis courts, or what do you call those little, that little... Pickleball. Pickleball. <laughs> Pickleball courts. <laughs> so... It'll be the best we've had for a while. Yes, yes. So if you want to stay all day, we'll actually be have it rented all day. If your family wants to come, they can go use the bathroom there, go to the beach. Um, bounce houses, stuff like that. Anyways, um, this Romans chapter 5. Last week we discussed uh, performance versus faith and what faith is. I'm not a smart man, Jenny, but I know what faith is. But I'll ask you that. I could ask anybody's question right there. What is faith? So let's just have a test right now, a Forrest Gump test. Um, Johnny, what's faith? <laughs> I know in a sense it's like believing in something you can't see. There you go. Johnny nails it right off the bat. He just woke up like one minute ago. And... Uh, he nailed it. But yeah, that's a really good translation. I mean, really good definition. Believing in something you can't see. And um, Paul and even James, the author of James, will talk about, hey, there's a lot of people who say they have faith. I mean, and, and they could be right, but Paul and James want to see your faith in action. They want to see evidence of your faith, of what you believe there's a lot of people I believe that actually I want to believe. That was the X-Files guy's famous statement about UFOs. I want to believe. You know, and I'm that way about Bigfoot. Do I, do I have faith that he's out there? Well, I haven't really pushed it that much because I'm like, yeah, I want to believe he's real, but haven't been on an expedition yet. Haven't given anything, sold anything to prove it. Um, I bought a sticker once, <laughs> a Sasquatch sticker. P, I love talking about it. I actually get excited when we talk about Bigfoot expeditions. I want to go on one. I want to go out and, and my, my, my plan is to capture a baby one. You know, I figure a big one would be too much to try to wrestle it down. But I think I could handle a baby one, <laughs> you know, and bring that in as evidence. You know, because I don't want to kill. I don't want to shoot one. Hunters will say, hey, just shoot one. And you, but what if that was the last one? <laughs> you know, oh, well... <laughs> They, they existed before I shot it, but I have evidence that they existed, <laughs> you know, but I, I really do. I get excited about talking about it. I watch every Bigfoot documentary, you know, that's out there and I figure which ones are good, which ones there's, there's a guy named Todd Standings that claims to have like some of the best photographic and video evidence. And he's actually, I mean, if it's real, I mean, it's, you'll, it'd be like watching a face right behind that palmetto bush right there. And you'd see, you see the face, you see the eyes blinking. I mean, you know, he was actually on Survivor Man. Actually, Survivor Man actually was part of that. You know, if you 
it is like this new evidence they've actually got uh the travel channel channel has this new documentary on it which is expedition bigfoot and they have supposedly got some almost like some super strong evidence about bigfoot being real now i think it'd be so cool if bigfoot were real do i have faith in it I want to. I want to believe. Am I com- completely convinced without a doubt that this that, that Bigfoot's real? Well, no. I know the evidence. Like, where's the body? You know, where's the proof that this stuff is real? You know, that he's real. And obviously, you do have fossil evidence of it in the way, way past of, have you ever heard of the, uh, the giant ape in China that they have? Uh, they have discovered over 10 foot tall. I mean, a, 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 almost a King Kong type of ape that they know existed back in, and, and they find these 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 this fossil record um, uh, in China. And is if you want to think what it looks like, it almost looks like a huge orangutan, but not quite like a silverback, but more 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 stand, could stand upright. So um, and it existed like thirty thousand years ago, and they call it uh, Gigantopus or something like that. You know, I'm like, whoa, so I'm all into that. Man, what if one survived? You know, they thought this died out, but they found out this fish is still alive after millions of years. It's supposed to be just a fossil. They found it living inside the ocean. You know, it's like, oh, what's going on here? You know, the silverback, you think about the silverback apes you find in Kenya, or not Kenya, but in in, uh, Africa. The silverbacks were not really recognized by science until the 1920s. You know, they didn't really believe. Just recently, they found a herd a hundred thousand strong of gorillas in the Congo basin like 10 years ago they didn't know existed a hundred thousand primates a gorilla sized primates in the Congo basin so of course yes there's evidence there's possible proof that hey why haven't we found that and I ask well why didn't you find that hundred thousand gorillas in the Congo basin there's still places on the earth that are still remote enough that guys men did not realize that these things existed a hundred thousand strong not like ten strong 100,000 gorillas they didn't know existed 10 years ago, you know, in the Congo. So I want to believe, but do I believe? Is it important enough to, you know, to sell house and home? And this is, this is, this is the idea that we talked about what our faith is, is, is the belief in something um, that we cannot see, but we know is real. We're convinced, not I want to believe. Faith is not about wanting to believe. It goes into, no, this is real. This is real. And so Paul's talking about that. Our, and it is our response. It starts with a response. It starts with a um, faith is not something that uh, is something we have to uh, work for. It is just a decision to believe something. A decision to exercise our will to say, I'm going to participate in this. We, we have faith in things all the time. We, we participate in things. Of, you know, um, Fuji had faith that he's, you know, we talked about him last week, faith that he, this family he's going to go to, and he chose it. He chose a family with not seeing, not really understanding, just hoping it's going to be right. But he could have told the orphanage, I, 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 I want to I be a part of this family. Then he could have decided, but I don't want to get on that plane with that strange man, you know, who's calling me who says, call me dad. You know, he could have just said, I think that's a good idea, but I'm not going to participate in it. And I believe that a lot of us as, as, as believers, we call ourselves Christians and stuff. 
I look for the evidence in people's lives all the time of what they believe in. Me personally. I look for fellow Christians who have sold out like a Paul who said, this is my life now. Following Christ is my life. Having a relationship with the God the Father designer. This is who I am. This is what I believe. And it says, it says these, these are some of the signs that follow those who believe. You know, and it talks about they're powerful. They're, they, they will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. These are signs of those who believe. <laughs> you know, like, okay. <laughs> and like, and I added, that, that scripture challenged me, my individual life. And I said, have I seen those things in my life? Have, do I believe? Do I really believe? It's easy to be with a bunch of Bigfoot, Bigfoot enthusiasts, you know. But when it comes down to it, would I give my life for Bigfoot? <laughs> you know, would I, would, I, would I lay it all down to, you know. Now, that's not a perfect metaphor because we're not talking about some, you know, if you believe in Bigfoot, you'll have eternal life. <laughs> <clears throat> you know. But there are people who have done just that to prove that he's real because they've had an encounter with him. With Bigfoot, they've had an eyewitness encounter, and it's changed their lives. You see these people, and you're like, you can't, you know, they're not crazy. They just they've had an encounter that they can't explain, and they want other people to realize, no, this is a real creature. So you meet somebody who has an encounter with something like that, and it's changed your lives. And this is the the idea of what Paul and the author of this book he had an encounter. Before then, he was witnessing. The church alive. And this is what a lot of people say. Well, if you've encountered the church, you've encountered Christ. Well, Paul had encountered the church, the people who believed in Jesus, and he was killing them. (laughs) And that wasn't enough for him to believe. And this is something interesting about Jesus and, 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 and some of the theological discussions is that we don't need encounters today with the living God. We just need the love to show from other people, you know, from the church, and there's there, there's arguments on both sides of that. And I'm like Forrest Gump again on that, or who is that? Not Forrest Gump. The guy says, "Do you want some? What pie do you want?" He goes, "I want both." Radio. Radio. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, I want the encounter, and I also want the evidence in the lives of others that Jesus is who He says He is, and and that like confirms. Not just in a one-time point, but for Paul, it was a. It was this. He had the encounter with the Christians, and they were laying their lives down in front of him as he's persecuting them. They were laying their lives down for this belief, and it's really hard to. If somebody's willing to die for something, like they believe, <laughs> you know, if they're given a choice, just renounce what you believe, and we won't kill you or your family. But. The Christian faith is littered with people who went down like that. Given the choice to just renounce what they believe and they would be spared or and them and their families would be spared. Even spared of torture. I'd be like, okay, just get it over with. No, we're going to kill you slowly. Then I'd be like, if you shoot me, okay, I think that'd be okay. You know, but, or, you know, cut my head off really quick. Make sure I don't, you know, but they were, they were tortured, said, listen, we, we're going to kill you slowly. If you want to read a good book about that, if you're doubting, read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. 
and how the early church gave their lives for what they believed. Now, <clears throat> so we talked about our faith and how faith is so important. It's not just what God did. We, we've been inundated with what God did. We all know what God did. He sent his only son. This part of the gospel is, is, was held up by a banner man and, uh, on all the football games at one point. John three sixteen. He would hold that every, after every field goal. You know, you'd see this guy hold up his banner. John three sixteen. He was known as the banner man. And, uh, and John three sixteen says, says what God did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who would believe in him would not perish, not be destroyed, but have everlasting life. That's what is offered, but it takes a response. It takes a person who believes that to say, I'm going to respond to that gift. I wish we could all just be saved just by reading that. Okay, God, oh man, so it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to get in? You know, and there's that's there's there's a reality. There's 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 a lot of Christians buying into what we call universalism. It really doesn't matter what we choose. Love wins. You know, and I wish, in certain aspects of life, I wish that could be a truth. That doesn't matter how we respond. It just matters that God did what He did to save the whole world. But he did do what he did to save the whole world. And there's a point to that because there, there is another side that says that well, it doesn't matter what you choose. It just matters that God has a few chosen. <laughs> that the chosen are already determined to exist. And if you weren't chosen by God in the beginning, well, too bad for you, too sad. Sounds like Calvinism. There you go. <laughs> Sounds exactly like Calvinism. I was a part of that for nine years of my, my Christian walk when I was first brought into the faith. I was raised Calvinist. <coughs> my response didn't matter. So you got, you got two opposing views, very uh, polar opposite views of what faith looks like. I'm like, what does your faith look like to the Calvinist? Well, it looks like me attending a church service. If I'm a member, I must be in. That was there. That was there. If you're here and you sign those papers to be a member of the Presbyterian Church, you got it. <laughs> You're in. Woo, I'm so glad. Whew, I was chosen. Thank God I was chosen. <laughs> it sucks for Andrew. <clears throat> I signed too. Yeah, oh, did you sign? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we cover our bases. <laughs> but on the other side of the coin, is, is, is a, it's, it's not a new movement, but it's gotten some birth that... You know, I can't imagine God sending anybody to hell. So therefore, because I can't imagine that, it doesn't happen. He's a good God. If he's a good God, why would he ever do that? And they, they speak of this love and they speak good things. And, you know, it's like, and they, they claim to have a relationship with Christ. And so do the, it's like, so it gets confusing. Like, who's right and who's wrong? And what does it all look like? So, Paul, and this is why we're reading this, Paul was like the person who most of these people come from. They, they actually quote his, his writings to argue both sides. And I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you get part of this and, then, and not read all of his stuff? He wrote, he, wrote, he wrote most of the New Testament. And they come up with those two polar opposite conclusions. I'm like, 
It's like you have to really throw a lot of his stuff out to land on either where, anywhere on that. <clears throat> and I always come back down to this, that if you don't understand, it's not your knowledge about God, it's your relationship with God that Paul's talking about. It is a living relationship, not a marriage that said, I do, and then you never ever tell your wife again that you love her. It is an active, living, day-by-day salvation relationship with Jesus says, quite frankly, it's the relationship that I die for so you can restore a relationship between man and the creator, God the Father. So I want us to just remember that because when we get off on all these other things, it's like, no, it's, it, it's a living relationship. Well, what happens if I break relationship? This is what always comes up. What happens if I start good in a relationship and then I kind of just stop relating to God? I just kind of get lazy, and that's usually what happens, especially in our culture. We get lazy, and we just kind of take it for granted. And that's what, actually, the Bible warns us about that kind of stuff. It talks about being asleep. And so, yeah, a lot of us had a decision this morning. I could either be in a relationship with this group of men this morning, but, or I could sleep in. It's that easy to, to start slipping in a relationship. We can just sleep in. And, and Jesus said it this way, when I come back, now I'm coming back, and all you proclaim to be a believer and have faith in me, when I come back, don't let me catch you sleeping. He wasn't talking about physical sleep. He was talking about another type of sleep where we just kind of take for granted, and we do this all the time in our relationships. I watch it. I watch it in our relationships when we pass each other. After, after about a, you know, 10 weeks of marriage or something, these people start, they, they just don't acknowledge each other in the room anymore. We walk past each other. First thing in the morning, we see each other doing something, drink coffee, and we just don't even acknowledge it. We're just like, you know what should happen with people we love? We should not only acknowledge each other, but be excited to see each other another day. That's in us. Do we stir that up? No, we kind of go the other way. We kind of like, well, just take each other for granted. Good morning. (laughs) Sooner or later, it just becomes not even a good morning. And what Paul and the gospel is, stir it up, stir this love up. And we're going to read about what love really is as opposed to, hey, we won. We got the attraction down. But then the attraction wears off because, well, the attraction was made to draw two things together. Once it's together, what do you do? You work at it. You work at this relationship. You work at it. Does it mean that I'm going to hell if I become apathetic to my relationship with God? Well, Jesus said to his disciples, guys, don't think that you can fake this. Fear God who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. <laughs> he was talking to his disciples. He wasn't talking to all the dissenters out there outside the church. He was talking to the, the 12 guys who were following him at that point. You're like, whoa, whoa, what does that mean? Well, I think it means what it says it means. It's like, and people say, well, there, and Paul says, well, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And that is so true. But because he's given us free will, we can walk away from it. 
That's why God hates divorce. And it says it. He hates divorce. Because what it does is a separation of two people that should have been one. That was ordained to be one. And so, anyways, <clears throat> did I, I, you know, it kind of keeps me on my toes in terms of like this, 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 this valuable thing of God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. That valuable blood that was shed to in order to, in order to restore a friendship relationship. And let me stress that not a slave to you know, master relationship, not a teacher to a, not a hierarchy type of relationship, but this idea of friendship with the living God of the universe who made everything, a friendship where he invites you into the secrets of his mind, his heart. Now we take that for granted. And for the most part, what I am, I am stressing this because I, 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 when I preach the gospel, I'm preaching it to the church who is usually sleeping who has fallen asleep spiritually, who has taken this great gift and we haven't exercised our faith. So what happens? These signs don't follow us. We're not on the edge of our faith. We're not performing. We're not winning. And so I used, last week I used Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael uh, Jordan as a, an example of what does it look like to be passionate about something. And I want to stir us back into that. And I think Paul's trying to stir that up because guess what? The Romans, book of Romans was written to believers. It was written to a church that was already alive and existing. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 5. And I've entitled this one, Breaking the Power of Sin. Because this is really what tries, this is what battles us. This is what, the power of sin is what really puts us to sleep. In chapter 5, it says, Therefore, verse 1, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Verse 2, because of our faith, all right, our response, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. I love that word, undeserved privilege. I always remind when I'm coaching and uh, I tell them, you do this and you make a mistake, you have to do 20 push-ups. And uh, they'll do it, they'll make a mistake and they get, coach, 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 can I try again? And if I'm feeling nice that day, I'm like, you understand what grace is? It's undeserved privilege. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance to try again. <laughs> you know, so I love this idea of grace as a coach because I can either extend it to somebody. Uh, no, give me 20 push-ups. <laughs> you pay the price <laughs> for making that mistake. Undeserved privilege. Where we now stand, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I love that verse. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This 
this next part, and I, I always wondered: did, did the disciples, did the people who wrote the Bible today, read each other's work? Did they actually, you know, read? It? And I think they did. I think there is a lot of these letters circulating, and they would read it. Because let me read you this one. This is out of James, and I told you I compare James and Paul's writing sometimes. This is James chapter one, verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this is verse three, back in Romans chapter five. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that if it that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strength. Uh, strengthens our confidence, a uh, confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us in disappointment. I mean, these are almost synonymous verses from two different authors in the scripture. But I love it because it's so powerful that it was written twice in the Bible. This idea of rejoice when you face trials, <laughs> when you go through hard things. Rejoice. Now, this generation is taught, please complain <laughs> when you go through hard times. Just go, <laughs> and this is a whole generation, man. When we go, when, when I, I take, you know, I remember when I first came to Hampton and I first made them do push ups. <laughs> it sounded like that bird. <laughs> I heard all this whining. And that was one of the things you could not do in my PE class. You were not allowed to whine. I didn't want to hear it. Because it's contagious. It is contagious. Complaining is so contagious. And it ruins people from trying harder. So I was like, nope, not allowed to complain. Here, it's actually, instead of complaining, we're supposed to rejoice. Not only is it just keep our mouths shut, we're supposed to like, and I would actually, I like, I, some of the guys would make fun of, all right, y'all ready to run? And they're like, yes, sir, yes, sir, we can, we want to run. <laughs> you know? I love to hear that. Armadillos. Armadillos. <laughs> just playing around. Paul and, and James is actually encouraging that. When you face trials of many kinds, it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now, you want to see your faith in action? Watch something really go bad wrong with what you did, what happens to you today, or something bad wrong. And your first, if you're mature, your first instinct is like, my faith is being tested. A good example of that was Job. Lost everything in life that was important to him, including his kids. And his first response was, naked I've come on this earth, naked I'll return. Praise be to God. Satan was waiting for him to curse God. Job's first reaction was to rejoice, to give glory back to God. That's interesting because this is what he says. We can rejoice, verse 3, 2, when we run into problems and trials. Why do we rejoice? For we know that it helps us develop endurance. Endurance. This is one word that I see running out of short. There's not a lot of people with endurance. 
the moment we feel like a long distance run, the moment you feel that little side cramp, <laughs> you, you, and, and I'd hear all the, you know, some people have never experienced before because they never ran that far with me. Like, what is this? I'm going to die. I mean, literally one person thought they were going to die because their side was hurting so bad. <laughs> you know, and it does hurt. I'll give them It does hurt if you ever had that stitch when you run too far and you're like, oh. But you know, you can push through that. Did you know that? Did you know if you could actually push through that and just kind of uh, uh, breathe through it and eventually it'll go away? <laughs> They're like, ah, ah! <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> you know. It's amazing. <laughs> it's Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. Get him. <laughs> hey, what happened? The sun rose too quick. We're not back to our homes. <laughs> but endurance. <laughs> it helps us develop endurance. And what does endurance do? It helps strength of character. What is character? Somebody tell us what character is. <laughs> who you are when no one's looking. Who you are when no one's looking. Man, we got some good definitions. It's who we are when no one's looking. <laughs> the only place I see of that is when I'm on the pot. <laughs> That's the one place that is common where you hopefully nobody's looking. <laughs> um... <laughs> Hopefully nobody's listening either. <laughs> you're trying to public restrooms. You're like, oh man, I gotta make this one quiet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is who we are when no one's looking. And Jesus went even further. It's like who? It's who? It's what you're thinking about. Yeah. Like, oh, that's even worse. Because I can look like I'm doing really good, but inside my, you know. And I, and I want to talk about that just a little bit because the Bible calls it vain imaginations. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman to lust for her, you're, you're committing adultery. <laughs> like, crap! <laughs> you know? And the Pharisees were all about saying, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, he was telling the Pharisees this, by the way. Because you know, they were, they were I mean, professionals at looking, appearing good before people and getting the applause of men. But Jesus went a little deeper. It's like, man, your character is who you are when no one else is looking. And, and he goes a little deeper. It's, who you, it's how you're thinking. It's what you're thinking about. And it's like, man, Lord, this is, this is tough. You know, this is tough. And I want to talk about that imagination stuff because imagination is not a bad thing. We were actually given imagination so that we could hope for something that we cannot see. All right? Hope strikes at our imagination. It is something that needs hope. If you don't hope, you don't, you know, if you don't have an imagination, it's hard to hope. Because you're, you're gaining a picture of what does it look like? What does heaven look like? What does it look like for, that, for us to glory in what God was when he makes everything right? What does that look like? I love imagining that. You know, because if you're hoping for something, you're actually imagining what it's going to look like. But sin has come in and corrupted our imaginations and says, hey, I want you to imagine this person this way. I want you to imagine it this way. And I watch people, as I, I watch a lot of people, and I, I, was, I was talking to someone, James, and I was like, you know, there's, there's this reality that we like to escape. It's all escapism. There, whether you read a ton of books a year, 
And I asked somebody who read a lot of books, I said, why do you read them? And that person said, well, I like, I like escaping from my reality because my reality sucks. <laughs> so I read these stories so that I can kind of escape into that and get a little temporary relief from the reality that I'm not really enjoying life myself. And, and I'm not saying reading stories is bad. In fact, I love stories because a lot of them can inspire us to better things. But there's a reality of us escaping into stories that are not our, that are not our stories because our story isn't very fun, adventurous. There's a lot of pain. We're in a lot of fear. So we go and escape. And our imaginations get caught up. And all of a sudden we start relating p- to people in our imaginations. I know Fuji liked this one story. What was it? Walter Mitty. What was that called? Uh, what was that movie called? The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And it, I, I, mean, I, think, I think that movie made it so well because there's a reality to that. We, we imagine ourselves, he imagined himself relating to people heroically. You know, or saving the day, or being able to talk to the pretty girl in the room. And he, he would go through it, and he would just kind of, he, he would like zone out for a second. <laughs> you know, a little Forrest Gump stare. <laughs> you know, and he was going through this moment of imagination in his life. Now, sin has the ability to corrupt those imaginations. And to where we look at people maybe in, a, in, a, in sensual ways where we shouldn't be. Or we're, we're looking at people, how can I get into their good graces to use them for something that make me more, feel more viable as a person? You know, imaginations can be corrupted, I guess. And what, I, what, what faith does, faith brings us out of the imagination world into the reality of adventure, of putting our lives on the line for others, of doing all those things Walter Mitty wanted to do. This is what faith does. It, it, it says, man, I've got the Spirit of God living inside of me so I can do these things for other people. My imagination becomes now, what does it look like for those who believe? What are the signs that follows? Maybe I could heal that person. Well, if you live in that all your life, maybe I could, and you don't move on it. What does the Bible say to heal? What, what is the action for us to go and heal people? What does it say to do? Go lay hands on them. What does the world say to do when somebody's sick? Stay away from them. <laughs> we are to go lay hands on the sick. When's the last time you laid the hands on, uh, hands on a sick person and prayed for them in Jesus' name? You always get the question, what if it doesn't work? Do it again to the next person. <laughs> Exercise your faith. Some of the greatest faith healers will tell you, I laid my hands on about a thousand people before the first one got healed. But after that, all Pandora's box opened of good. <laughs> How many times did I tell TJ to juggle the ball till he could do a thousand? You know, what if he quit after two? <laughs> you know. It's like it's like we, we, we just don't have this endurance anymore. Our imaginations, we like our imaginations, but we live in, in imaginary worlds, but we never act on anything. And faith, what faith does, it says, no, I believe this, so therefore I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to go forward in it. And so when we face trials, guess what a trial is made? Why does God allow bad things to happen to us? Let me tell you, because he's testing your faith. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get you to be, stop being a, 
a little wimp, a Christian wimp. And that's where most of us fall in that category. We are Christian wimps. We'll do what the world says because we see that everybody doing that. Oh, you, you know, it takes a lot of faith to try alcohol and try drugs at the first. Like, you're saying this is going to make me feel better? Well, yes. And you know what? Because it does. Look at what it makes me feel like. I, I don't like what it does to you in the morning, but right now you can enjoy your life. So we take that and we, and we, and we actually do it. We'll, we'll do things that the world is offering and we'll try it out. We'll say, hey, this is good. Hey, you know, you just need to go and stick your penis in that and make you a man. <laughs> yeah. And this is what you're supposed to, how you're supposed to treat women and girls. They're your playthings. They're your toy things. And then if you don't like them, you, you, you dump that one and go get the other one. And then you brag about, oh, yeah, I, I, I did that one. I got that. I got that. Like, and then what, what God has challenged us to, the faith he's trying to endure says, how much do you love people? How much have you given to somebody else today? How much of your life have you given away to spend time, to encourage, to love, to make somebody else feel like they are valuable? Because they are. <laughs> how much time have you spent, how much money have you spent on those people. And God challenges this way. 100% give. <laughs> and don't worry about the rest. I'll give more. I'll give you more if you just spend time in this direction. So we go through trials to test our faith to see where we're at. And what, what do we run into the first thing? Endurance. And that, how, do you, how, do you, how do you develop endurance in, in anything? You have to keep doing it. <laughs> Those are sucky. I hate endurance tests. <laughs> hate them with a passion. They are not my funnest thing in life to do. All right, line up with the line. <laughs> On the whistle. <laughs> and you're all the most, oh. <laughs> but what is he trying to get you ready for? He's trying, to, he's trying to strengthen not only who you are as a person, that you can do things, you can love longer better, stronger, but it says it'll strengthen your character, who you are when nobody else is looking. Because that's really who you are. Not your pretend self. And character does what? It strengthens, in verse 4, our confident hope of salvation. It strengthens our hope. Our imagination of something better is coming. And I realize that because of the generations I raised, there's not a lot of hope left. There's a lot of people living very hopeless lives. They're going through the motions of entertainment, going through the motions of doing this and that, but there's no endurance. Therefore, there's no character. Therefore, their hope is really fleeting. They have hope for a moment. And there was a movement, it was, it was the, the, the uh, emo movement, you know. It was the, uh, you know, nothing ever gonna get better. I'm just going to live in long bangs and <laughs> dark colors. And at least if we're all hopeless together, it's cool. <laughs> you know, like, okay. In verse 5, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. 
For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This is crazy because you see in situations, you see people who are, you see stories of people in prison for the faith or something. You see these, and they have nothing. They barely have food that day, but they're, they're, they're smiling. They're hopeful. Why? Because the hope really, honestly, is not necessarily in this life, but in a life to come. This is part of the gospel. The hope for glory. Now, you may die in this life poor, destitute, things around you falling apart. But you could, you could be completely at peace with God. The Christian world has gotten a little upset. Hey, hey man, you got a smiling evangelist up there. Man, God loves you. He wants you to be blessed. <laughs> Look what I'm driving. We didn't used to drive this car. But he, this is, this is the proof that he loves us. I got a Lexus. And you too can have this type of faith. Then the other Christians are say, now, listen, if you really want to have faith, pay off your mortgage. And God will set you on heavenly places because <laughs> you conquered this world. You know. And I'll tell you what God looks like. He's, that, he's, that, he's those people who are nothing, the ones that are annoying, the ones that have, and, and, and have you, and he brings them to your door. He brings them to your life, and you look at them, and you go, nah, not today. <laughs> And, and it goes even closer to that. Look at you, you look at your friends, your wife, your children. And we're like, there's got to be more than this. I'm like, what? That was a gift given from above. He gave you those. He helped you help make those kids. You help make that family. Those friends are your friends. Do you love them? Do you spend time thinking about them? Do you spend time trying to make their life better? Because what it says, love is not self-seeking. We're a bunch of pansies, self-seeking. And it's, it's frustrating to see because the world's dying. And we don't care. <laughs> We've gotten to the point where we're really asleep. We just don't care. It's too much work. We have no endurance. We have no hope, really. We're just kind of like going through. We're doing the motions of everybody else. And he reminds us in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. 7. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Paul always punctuates the idea that it's not our good works that made Christ pay attention to us. It's not because that person is better. That's why God loves him. It's just because God is full of love for the things that he created. Why we're offered this thing. Not because Johnny's got cool hair. You know. <laughs> In verse 9, and since we have been made right in God's sight by what? The blood of Christ. 
He will certainly get, save us from God's condemnation. For since our, and I bold in this, friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now, <clears throat> if you understand how you come to Christ or how you come to God in right relationship, I, I've said this story before. I, I can't get a better metaphor for it. It's, it's the, that nasty dog that you found as a kid, a stray puppy that you found as a kid, and you present it to your father, and your father's like, this is, see, all he, the father sees is this nasty little dog that's got fleas that's going to be a pain in the butt to take care of. He's, you know, he's going to have to poop in the house for a while until he's potty trained. He sees all the words, but he, what he sees, he doesn't see the dog. The father doesn't see the dog. He sees the son holding the dog going, but I love him. Can I bring him in the house? It was the same type of love that Christ experienced. He sees, it says God sees us covered in the Son's blood. The sacrifice of this, the love of the Son, the love of the Father, seeing it, it's kind of like, okay, he can come in. <laughs> I know this, this person's going to be a pain, but because of your love, I'm going to relate to this human being. Not a perfect metaphor, but it has a lot of truth to how we come and we and, and we can't forfeit that because it was Christ's love he did shed his blood for us if somebody died for you we would say well man I, you know it's rescued you from certain death came in and swept in like a superhero wouldn't you be forever grateful the bible says this remember the day of your salvation remember it you see a lot of these great hero stories, you know, of, of some, an old man dying or something for, to pass on this great knowledge to the next and, and the doctor says, deserve this. <laughs> you know, it has that idea and how quickly we forget. And all of this is supposed to just remind us, hey, we need to, we need to do something. We can't just sit on our duffs and not respond to this kind of love. In fact, we're called to become that which was given. We are supposed to now pick up our cross and follow him into loving a world that is enemies for the most part to this, which means they will persecute you for the way you love them. But you're not supposed to give up. In fact, you give and give and give until you can't give anymore, until actually you give your life for others. That's... For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, verse 11, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Friends of God. Um... You can still see his handiwork this morning. You know, uh, in nature, he's given us this blue ozone to protect us so that we can breathe. <laughs> he blesses us with rain so that things can grow, so that we can eat. 
Ew. But he's gone further than that. He desires, and this is what I wanted to end with today, and I, I wanted to get through a lot more, but I think this is where we need to start. He desires, and I'm trying to poke your imagination this morning about who you are and why he's in this, because he believes that TJ can go introduce other people to a relationship with him and see them not have to live in fear, not have to live in doubt, but actually be at peace. That, hey, yeah, we know we're going to die physically, but there's something in me that's going to live forever. In fact, I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. No matter what happens in this life, I'm going to be okay. That TJ can actually become somebody who goes out there and proves that God is still who he says he is. That's kind of what he says. I want my church to be that. And, and, and for that to happen, I'm going to, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of TJ so that what my son was doing on this planet, TJ will be able to do the same things. Jesus is the example of what TJ is supposed to look like. So what does that mean to TJ? You know, well, it means that, you know, at the base of this is a friendship with God. Now, I can tell how, ma- how, how many people will treat God and how we, by the way, you treat others, to be honest. <laughs> who you are is who you are. <laughs> you know, how you relate to others is how you relate. Now, not everybody relates the same way. Okay. Some people like quality time. They'll just, that's their big love language, quality time. Others like giving gifts. That's a sign that they love somebody. You know, the, you know that study says that there's basically, you've you got two main ones that you operate in. You know, others, what, what are the five love languages that they're out there? You got touch. Yeah, that's another one. Words of affirmation or words of encouragement. Um, service is another one. You know, so TJ may not be one of those people who has, who can express himself in poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. You're my baby, because I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Man, right on the fly. (laughs) What was that? Uh, Mr. Mr. Deeds, he kept writing, trying to, Adam Sanders kept trying to write Hallmark cards. (laughs) They were really bad. (laughs) You may not be a poet, but maybe TJ, to show how much he loves you, he'll, he'll come over and he'll just, he'll serve you. And, and, you know, he'll connect with you that way. But there's at least five types of ways to express your love to somebody else. At least five. There's a lot more than that, but there's at least five main ones. Now, when's, when's the last time you risked any of that to go love somebody else intentionally? Not because you had to, well, I'm not, I'm, I have to do my chores. <laughs> You can consider that love because you do it, but then, you know, it's like go above and beyond what is expected and intentionally love somebody for the purpose of making them feel valuable is what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus did. He constantly did that. He woke up in the morning going to his father, starting with his right relationship with the Lord, saying, Lord, what are we going to do today? A lot of times it was two or three in the morning Jesus had to do this because the rest of the day was was book solid with people trying to get his attention because they knew from Jesus they would get life. Whether it was he would feed them, 
whether he would heal them, whether he would teach them and give them words of encouragement, whether he'd sit down one-on-one with them at a well and tell them truth about their life and encourage them further than where they were. Jesus' whole purpose for waking up in the morning was to go love. Most of our whole purpose for waking up in the morning is to survive this next day. Gotta make the money to make the day to make the da 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 Pause, repeat. <laughs> and I'm telling you, if you wake up to the truth of what we believe, it'll change your life. But it starts with believing that God, Jesus did all this to restore a relationship with the Father. Now, this is the first relationship that I'm going to be pressing this year. This is why I'm starting these daily meetings. James asked me, hey, are we going to start putting it in church again? And why are we going to do it? I said, because we're asleep. <laughs> and I'm going to push people into this relationship, passionate relationship with the Father, a friendship relationship, to where your lives in that will challenge my life in that. And how does it start? It should start with God. What should your morning start with? God. (laughs) Plain and simple. And what about that? Being a friend with God, getting, getting, you know, if you're going to be a slave to him, you're going to get some some direction for this day because today could be your last. The way things are going, we don't know. And why am I so urgent right now? Because the world's lost its head. We've lost our minds. The world has. It's not just one person. The world has lost its mind. And I'm looking, we're looking for answers in a political party? (laughs) Oh my gosh. These elections, it's not the elections, it's not the leadership. The world has lost its mind. And the church is asleep at best. And it's all about you. Your career, your path, your image. You getting the right person to love you. And the Spirit of God is so much bigger than that. And yes, do I want a group of people where these signs follow those who believe? A group of people that, man, they... they they come around, we get better. They come around, I have hope. <laughs> and they don't just love us once, they keep loving us. <laughs> they keep showing up. And then they do some things that just, you can't explain it. They just do things and miracles happen. It's the only thing I can... Yes, I want to live with a group of people like that. The super friends. (laughs) The Avengers. (laughs) Of course I want to live with people like that. Of course I want to become that. So yes, that's why we're going to be meeting and I'm going to be pushing with everything I've got to push us into that friendship with God. And what does that look like? It looks like, it would be a very practical thing, is that you wake up a little bit earlier to prioritize that friend. to get to know his voice. Yes, it looks like reading scripture so that you can tune into that voice. 
that's a first step. We don't start there. We're just kind of shooting in the dark. Being tossed by every wave and wind that comes through our faith is really weak. So, yes. I have imaginations of sending TJ to Kenya and watching a miracle break out of him playing soccer. You know, somebody gets hurt, he goes lays hands on him, and all of a sudden that leg gets put back together and all the kids are like, who is this Mazungu white guy with crazy hair? Yes, I have visions of Aaron, you know, playing music over people and all of a sudden everybody falls down because God's presence becomes so heavy in the place that people just can't stand. Have I been in rooms like that when people have fallen out in worship? Yes, I have. Have I been in God's presence in places like that where these things happen? Yes, I have. Have I experienced some things where I've gone and laid hands on somebody who was sick and they recovered? Yes, I have. Do I want to see more of it? Yes, I do. We're even death where somebody, and this I'm still working on this one, where somebody has died and come back. Have I prayed for people who have died to come back? Yes, I have. I had a person die this year in my arms. Prayed three times he would come back. Why? Because I have hope. I believe. <laughs> so the first, anybody who dies in my in my hands, I, some some dude fell on some rocks at the inlet, busted his head wide open. He was laying bloody on those rocks. Was the first one on the scene. Why? I believe that there's something in me more. What did I do? I put my hand on that. I had to lift his head off of that, that rock that his head was on. Put my hand on the hole that rock had created in his skull to stop the bleeding, obviously. And I was praying for him. And then this other guy comes by and is holding his feet and saying, and I'm sorry, he hears me praying. He goes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I'm like, is this an angel? You know, standing by me, praying with me. Weird thing, that guy followed me later on. He came to the same restaurant that I was in after that. Kind of encouraged me in what I did. That guy had a hole in his head. He got up, walked off under his own power, and did not want to go into the ambulance. I was like, dude, go to the, go to the doctor. <laughs> you have a hole in your head. <laughs> You know, this stuff is real, guys. How do we get to that point? And I'm telling you, what is my secret? Every morning, me and God, best friends, best buds. What gets attacked the most, and that will be attacked. Your friendship with God will be attacked, and it will be attacked by stupid things like I'm just too lazy. And I'm going, he did everything and we're too lazy. As a coach, get your ass out of bed. <laughs> I had to cuss on these podcasts. I got to keep me. <laughs> what are you doing sleeping? 
You have a call today. This day could change everything. It's a holy day. Oh, I'm going through this. Rejoice. Rejoice. Get through it. I'm sick. Get through it. Push through it. I don't want to push through it. Love, 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 love. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. Love more. <laughs> I can't. It's just the gospel. It's not making me any money. Good. <laughs> Do you got food? Yeah. Stop complaining. <laughs> oh, my goodness. One day we'll see, and this is what I want, don't want to happen. One day we will see him, we will be in glory, and we, I don't want us to be ashamed of how we lived. Because we knew the truth, but we didn't quite believe it, and we just stayed, and we just buried everything under a rock. We didn't use any of our gifts, and we just waited for him to return. If we were even really waiting for him to return. I don't want any of us, any people, any, any of you guys in shot on my voice to be that person. We buried everything. And we went the way of the world, did everything everybody else worried. We just worried about our money, worried about our bills, worried about surviving. We're supposed to be so much more than that. Now, preface this. Are we not supposed to work? Of course we're supposed to work. But work where God calls you to work. Will it be fun all the time? Well, and this is, this is the sign of the Pharisee. Oh, you'll work in something that you really love to do. No, that's not true. Rejoice when you fall into trials of many kinds because you know that testing your faith, guess that testing your faith could be your job. Are you still going to do it with all your heart, with passion, as working unto the Lord because he placed you there? Once you, maybe you're going to be stuck in that job because you haven't learned that yet. That the people that he put you in, in charge of, the board, that they're the ones that are important at your work. Maybe find a way into their lives. <laughs> because what this group is supposed to look like in about a year is about five more people for Aaron, five more people for Fuji that have been drawn into this because you're excited and passionate about your relationship with God that you want others to know. Because the Bible says this, Jesus said this to his disciples, go and make more. Go and make more disciples. What does that look like in a year if we're, if we're healthy? It looks like more people. Because of your passion, your endurance, your character, your hope. So, oh, this gospel is so good, but it's so forgotten. And so, on the shelf. <laughs> so where do we start? Where do y'all start? What am I challenge you to? I'm telling you this week. Go try to be with the Lord every day. Try it and watch. You're going to come against a fight. And it's going to be your flesh for the most part. I don't want to. Just do hard. Don't have time. Pathetic. That's where you are. That's where I start there. Come back next week and I'll be telling you the same thing. Have you talked to God yet? Did you spend any time? Any time? Five minutes? Thank God. Five minutes. Start there. That's where you're at. Five minutes. <laughs> but I guarantee you this. If you spend time, maybe you start spending that quality time with him, relating to him, and pushing through 
all that stuff and you keep doing it, you keep doing it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start hearing him speak to you. And he's going to tell you some secrets. He's going to show you things. He's going to empower you with a power that is not of this world. And you'll be able to do things you couldn't do before. It's a glorious way to live. And not being afraid. That, to me, is the biggest thing. Not being afraid. I cannot relate to anybody in this corona thing. Just get pissed off. And I don't... I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying it's not deadly and all that stuff. But I'm like, Christians, rise up. <laughs> Start praying for people <laughs> to get healed. You have a great opportunity. We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> a lot of people sick. Anyways. Uh, that's it for right now. We ended, so for me, we ended in verse 11. We'll end up 5, 12. We'll pick up from there. <laughs> next week on the podcast right here. See you next week. <laughs>